The Weeds, from the sermon series, The More of the Story, spoken by Pastor Sunita Ponton. I do want to extend a thank you to all of you who participated in the open store in any way, but I want to send a special uh, shout out to those who came and helped sort the clothes and the shoes and the toys and the household items in the office. If you came by the office at any point in the past three months, you saw it overwhelmed with stuff, good stuff. Um, everything you can imagine. And every now and then I would peek my head into the gray flex space and I would see a volunteer looking completely exasperated and overwhelmed by the amount of things that needed to be sorted. And I'm sure after speaking to many of you that you didn't feel like you were making a dent in the piles at all, but believe me, you did. And it was important. Many hands make light work, so thank you again. And as you can imagine, sorting was important to the success of the open store. We wanted people to be able to find what they needed, clothing for a six-month-old little girl or for a 10-year-old little boy or for a double XL man or a size 10 woman. We wanted the experience to be simple and enjoyable for those who came, like stepping into a store. And so we separated by gender and then by size. And along the way, we made sure that the item was something worth giving away to someone else. Just because it's free, it doesn't mean that we want to give away something that's dirty or heavily used, right? So sorting was important. Weeding out the good, acceptable items from those that maybe because they were heavily soiled or stained or maybe too worn out, frankly, just needed to be trashed. It was difficult. People had donated the items, so we wanted to honor their donation, but we also knew that we couldn't put out something that was dirty or stained or broken because it would actually do more harm than good. If someone picked up something that was not in good condition, how would that make them feel? What would they think about us? that we thought nothing of them than to give them something that was broken or something that was heavily stained. And that's certainly not how we want people to feel, like we are just giving away trash, right? And we definitely didn't want people to think that we thought less of them because they were in need. And so we sorted, and we sorted, and we sorted. And in our text today, Jesus tells us a parable about a divine sorting that will take place. A sorting, a weeding out of the good from the evil. Those who will make it into the kingdom of heaven and those who will not. This divine sorting will occur one day. And in teaching about this divine sorting out, this divine weeding out, Jesus clues us into the reality in which we currently live. So if you have your Bibles, your mobile devices, if you're watching across the screen, turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then verses 36 through 43. Matthew, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and then 36 through 43. If you are like me, you grew up reading the King James Version, you might know this story as the story of the wheat and the tares. But for today, we're talking about the wheat and the weeds. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. 
When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? When, excuse me, where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Verse 36. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. This is Jesus. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed stands for the the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into a burning furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We are continuing in our series called The Moral of the Story, which began last week with Pastor Doug. And we're looking at the parables of Jesus in the book of Matthew. Jesus is on a boat talking to a large crowd who's standing by the shore, and he's speaking to the crowd. He's using parables. As we learned last week from Pastor Doug, parables are stories that Jesus uses to teach a spiritual truth. It has a a deeper meaning. And by sharing these things, these parables, Jesus wants to, to teach us something, in this case about the kingdom of God. Sometimes parables illustrate similarity, sometimes contrast, or sometimes they build to some statement of faith. Today's parable is a similarity. And there are layers of understanding to parables. Those whose hearts and minds are submitted to God and are set our understanding and obeying his word will gain greater and greater understanding. God gives insight into the meaning of the parables for those who want it. Here we see that Jesus leaves the crowd and enters a home. And where the disciples come and they're eager for an explanation of the parable. Now, remember, the entire crowd heard the story, but only the disciples followed Jesus to get the explanation behind it. Would you have been one of the ones following Jesus to get the deeper meaning? To understand what's happening here, you need to go back to chapter 12. Jesus heals a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute. And seeing this, some of the people respond, could this be the son of David? Meaning, is Jesus the promised Messiah we have been waiting for? But others, the Pharisees, say that Jesus must be operating under abusable, meaning the, the prince of demons. So the question lingering among the crowd is, who is this man? And even more so, if he represents the kingdom of heaven, why doesn't it look like that? around us. And these might be the same questions that we would ask ourselves is, if Jesus is real, why is there so much evil in the world? Why don't more people accept him? 
Remember last week we we talked about the parable of the sower and the four soils and and the seed is planted on on good seed and and it produces a crop, a hundred, sixty or thirty times what had been sown. But if good seed is being produced in, in this quantity, how could evil still possibly exist? Well, the reason is that the kingdom of heaven is not like the world in which we currently inhabit. Jesus, in his parable, is pointing them to a future hope, the kingdom of heaven. And at the same time, he sheds light on our current condition. So there are three realities that Jesus teaches us from this parable that will help us navigate the world containing both good and evil until we get to the kingdom of heaven. Reality number one, God sows and so does the enemy. God sows and so does the enemy. Look at verses 24 through 26 and then 37 through 39. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. And then verse 37. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are angels. Jesus tells us, that the farmer represents the son of man, Jesus, and the field represents the world. Jesus sows good seed into the world, just like the farmer sows good seed into the soil. The seed is to produce wheat. We are the seeds. We are the wheat. Those of us who not only believe in God, but actively seek to do his will, we are the wheat. We are the children of the kingdom. But God is not the only one sowing. There is an enemy, and he's planting too. He's planting weeds among us. The Bible says that the weeds are the children of the evil one and anything that causes sin in the world. And Satan, Satan plants the weeds alongside of the wheat. He never sows off in a corner. Instead, he plants side by side with the children of God. He is hoping for destruction. He is hoping that the weeds will will choke out the roots of the wheat. Jesus is telling us that this world is corrupted, that God is planting good seed and the enemy is planting weeds. The weeds are the causes of sin in the world and those who do evil. On a macro level, the weeds are any obstacles that come against the kingdom of heaven. That could be sin or death or war, or even earthquakes that cause massive destruction and loss of life. What we're seeing in Afghanistan, violence and threats and civil unrest and the oppression of women, that is, that is weeds. Those are weeds on a large global scale. But weeds are also among us as people, people who practice evil, people who intentionally cause harm or strife or division. This could be a mass murderer, or it could be a person who lies about you on your job. Evil people operating alongside of us, and sadly, sometimes even within the church. These are weeds. 
But if we go much deeper, we will find that weeds don't just live among us, but they live within us. Weeds exist in our hearts. God plants faith. The enemy plants fear. God plants love. The enemy plants hatred. God plants peace. The enemy plants chaos. Sin and evil are so insidious that we find it everywhere, even inside of us. That's Satan's plan. Wherever God's seed is planted, you can be sure that the enemy has planted as well. So know this. Pastors, ministry leaders, teachers, even parents, even though you sow good seed, it doesn't mean that there won't be some weeds among your good wheat. As much as you pour into the people you are discipling or ministering to or teaching or even the very children who live in your home, there are influences beyond yours and beyond your control. You did all that you could to raise your child well. You, you brought them to church. They were involved in student ministries. You, you gave them everything they needed to do well in this world. You taught them to love Jesus, and still they strayed away. You prayed with that person, loved on that person, invited that person into your home and into your heart, and you expected a harvest that they would love God, that they would emerge with some devotion to God, and it didn't happen. For all the good seed you planted, the enemy was at work around you, planting as well. Even Jesus, the greatest discipler, the perfect teacher, showed, sowed perfectly into 12 men, and Judas still betrayed him. Peter still denied him. In fact, Jesus is telling this story to a crowd of people, and some of them accuse him of operating under the power of demons. We cannot control the bad seeds being planted alongside our good seeds. But like the farmer in the text, our goal is to be faithful to the planting, to continue to plant good seed and let God handle the rest. I used to work with high school students at a college prep program in Queens. And you all know working with high school students can be challenging because sometimes they listen to you and sometimes they just don't. Like you say one thing and they do the exact opposite on purpose. And so we had a mixture of kids, some kids who would do everything that we told them to do. And some kids who, if we said left, they were guaranteed to go right. One of my first encounters, there's one student in particular who stands out to me. I'm not going to put his picture up because I don't have this permission to tell this story. But there was one kid who stood out in particular to me. One of my first encounters with him was going to get him from prison. He had been taken to jail because him and his friends had been fighting. Well, it shouldn't pay prison. Him and his friends had been taken to jail because they were fighting on the train. And the cops had just sort of, like, arrested him and put him there, and we went to take him out. So this is the kid that I'm working with, right? And so many times we wanted to kick him out of the program, but there was something inside of him because he was so intelligent, and he was so brilliant, and he had such a great personality, but he never listened to a thing we said. And it was by God's grace that he made it to college. And several years later, while he was in college, he called us and he asked to work with us for the summer. And I was floored. But our, our policy was to interview the kids, you know, if they wanted to come back as alumni and work, we, you know, we'd take them through the process and we'd see. Well, this kid, he shows up and the first thing he does is apologize 
for not having listened to us. And then he thanked us for all that we tried to teach him and for the seeds that we tried to plant in him. And he said, I finally got it. And he told us how well he was doing in college. And so we hired him for the summer. He turned out to be our best summer employee because he knew all the tricks the kids were doing. And he was harder on the kids than we could ever be. And he told the kids, he was our greatest mouthpiece. He told the kids to listen to us because he now understood years later how important it was what we had been trying to teach him all along. It was incredible. We are to remember that what we are seeing and experiencing is only a point in time, just merely a chapter in someone's book. We don't know how the story will end. Only God knows that. There is still time. Think about the thief on the cross. Our job is to stand firm, knowing that Satan only has as much power as we give him. Yes, he's a liar. And yes, he, he, he pours out deception and confusion, but he is powerless. We need not fear him. We just need to be faithful in planting good seed. There will be good and evil in this world. Why? Because just as God is sowing, so is the enemy. Reality number one is God sows and so does the enemy. Now, reality number two is God will not remove the seeds now. God will not remove the seeds now. Look at verses 27 through 29. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. The farmer's workers notice that there are weeds growing alongside the wheat, and they ask the farmer if he wants to pull the weeds. And the farmer says no, because in pulling up the weeds, they might uproot the wheat as well. God allows both the wheat and the weeds to grow alongside of one another together. In this world, the people of the kingdom live alongside the people of the evil one. We must expect it, and we must accept this reality. Unfortunately, you can't hide yourself from evil. Good and evil will operate alongside each other. Righteous and unrighteous will seemingly prosper together. Now, this can be extremely frustrating to us, but we are not responsible for distinguishing between the wheat or the weeds or trying to weed out people. In all honesty, there is no way for humans to know the heart of another human being. You know, we live in this cancel culture, and we really need to be careful. This weeding out of people we believe is right or wrong is harmful. First, it presumes that our opinion is correct. But second, and most importantly, it presumes that even if the person is wrong, that there is no redemption available to them, that there's no coming back for them, that there is no way that God can move in their hearts and redeem them. We can't cancel people. We can't weed people out. That's not our job. That is not our concern at all. That is the work of Christ. Furthermore, we can't worry about the weeds. There is a plan and a purpose at work. God knows that the weeds are there. God knows that evil exists. God has not forgotten. He has not looked away. He is in full control. 
When we see evil seeming to prevail or we become frustrated with sin around us, know that the weeds do not worry the farmer because he knows that he will take care of them in the end. It is not for us to weed out. God knows the weeds are there, but chooses to leave them for our benefit. There's a purpose for it. God's delay in weeding out the weeds is actually a sign of God's grace. It's a sign of God's grace. It is giving people time to repent. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 reminds us, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There are still people who need to be saved. There are still people who need to be brought into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. God is giving time for the unbelieving and the unfaithful and the unrepentant to come back to him. He is giving time for them to stop rejecting his message and turn their lives over to him. And if that is you, the time is now. But even for those of us who are in relationship with Christ, we still need to be grateful for God's grace in holding off the weeding process. You see, the weed Jesus is referring to in the text is a type of weed called darnel. It looks like wheat when it is a young plant, but only later after it has grown is it distinguishable from the wheat. It's only after it has borne fruit that one can tell it apart. Wheat produces this brownish-yellow seed, and this darnel produces a gray seed. Only time reveals the difference. So in the beginning, when the plant is still budding or still very young, it's hard to tell the wheat from the weeds. The plant is still developing. It's too early to pluck out the weeds when the plant is still forming. There are too many unknown factors. Will this be wheat or will this be a weed? The same is true for us. Most of us didn't become committed Christians overnight. Most of us endured a process. We grew over time. And aren't you glad that God didn't pluck you up out of the ground, out of the earth, while you were still a young plant, while you were still a young Christian, while you were still forming, while you were still deciding if you would commit your life to Jesus or not, while you were still living a life of sin, while you were still sleeping around, while you had a hard heart, aren't you glad that God didn't pull you out at that moment? I am so glad that God did not weed me out when I was still wrestling with him, when I still had this mean spirit in me, when I was still selfish and self-centered. I'm so grateful for God's grace. That when I was more concerned about the opinions of others than of God, that he didn't pull me out at that time. We need to praise God that he didn't pluck us out then. And some of us need to praise God that he hasn't plucked us out today because there is still so much work left to be done in us. We are still working out our salvation. It is God's grace that says, wait. This bud still needs a little bit more time. This sapling still needs a little bit more time to form. This seed will be good seed if we just give it time to grow and mature. It just needs a little bit more time with the light of the world and give it a little bit more access to the sun, the S-O-N, and you will see something beautiful come.
Because God knows that only when the harvest is mature is it safe to pull it out. That's when you're ready for the kingdom. Every day we wake up with new mercies. We ought to say, thank God. There is still more time that needs to be done in us and through us. That also means there's still time for transformation. Jesus says, anyone who has ears, let them hear. If you hear God pulling you or or pushing you or or pulling you in a direction or, or wrestling with you at night, this is the time to say yes to God because God is trying to perfect something in you. He is trying to perfect the thing that he began in you. God is still making us into the men and women he has called us to be. He is still waiting on us to fully live into our identities as his sons and his daughters. He's still waiting on us to fulfill our purpose. Praise God that he hasn't pulled out the weed too soon. But not only is it God's grace that delays the harvest, it is God's wisdom While parables tell us a story, they're not really exact. So go with me for a moment. Weeds actually serve no purpose. You know this, right? If you plant, you know weeds serve no purpose, except maybe to annoy you and maybe burn for heat. But in the text, God does not allow the weeds to be pulled out because it could affect the wheat. Weeds might actually serve a purpose then, maybe not for the wheat, but for us. Last week, Pastor Doug talked about suffering And he said that suffering has a purpose. It helps form us. If we suffer well, if we squeeze every lesson that we can out of it, it transforms us. It forms us. Weeds are like suffering. The parable tells us that there are both the people of the kingdom of God and people of evil one in this world. Those people, the weeds in our lives, help form us and shape us. I like to call them sandpaper people. You know, they're the kind of people that irritate you to no end. But, like sandpaper, they can sand out the rough edges of your life and prepare you for what God wants to do with you next. Just like sandpaper does. And in his infinite wisdom, God knows not to remove all the weeds from our lives. If he did, it would affect us too much. We wouldn't grow. We wouldn't change. We wouldn't be transformed. A few months ago, I received a text message from a man who does a lot of community work in Inglewood. And there are a lot of issues with, um, it doesn't really matter what the details are, but there are a lot of issues between members of the community and the Inglewood Police Department. And in the text, he accused Metro of not being true to the community by receiving money from the local police union. And once I figured out what he was talking about, I texted him back and I said, no, that's not the case. That's that's not at all what happened. And I said, hey, I'm going to see you later. Let's talk about it then. And he agreed. Well, at this rally, this man stands on stage and says the exact opposite of what I said to him. He attempts to call out Metro for not being committed to the community because we had accepted money from this local police union and we couldn't be trusted. And just that morning, I had told that man that's not what happened. Y'all, I was furious. Not only are you lying, and you're lying about me, but you're lying about my church. So, like, you can say something about me, but don't say something about my church, right? 
so in that moment, I have to admit to you, it wasn't my finest hour. And this was just a couple of months ago. I had some choice words for this man. And God would not allow me to talk to him. He left the rally without speaking to me, and I was still mad. So I prepared a text message in which I was prepared to tell him about himself. And God would not let me send that text message. Because I wasn't really worried about the consequences then. But God had to remind me that I am a Christian, that I have a witness, and I am also a pastor. And that God would fight the battles for me and protect our reputations because our hearts have always been in the right place. And he has, and he did. What I learned in that time is that, yes, I have come a long way. The old me would have found him and said what I had to say in person or on a phone call or would have sent that text message. So I had made some progress, but I still needed to work on my first reaction not being to pounce on him, even verbally. When someone was lying or saying disparaging about something me or the church, I don't believe he is a permanent weed. But this man was a weed in that moment, and God used him to show me where I need to grow, where I still need to be transformed. God knows what he's doing. He doesn't pull the weeds out now because of his divine wisdom. If we had never experienced the weeds of heartbreak, we wouldn't appreciate the value and the fragility and the power of love. If we had never been hurt by some weeds, we would never understand the depths of forgiveness. If we had never faced challenging weeds, we would never know that God is our protector and our provider. If we had never faced poverty or lack, we'd never know that God is our provider. If we had never been sick or gone through a pandemic, we wouldn't know that God is our healer and our sustainer. Now, am I saying that God places these things in our lives intentionally? Absolutely not. But does God use these things to transform us and form us completely? Absolutely. It is in God's wisdom that harvest time has not yet come. And it is in God's love that holds back the hands of time and delays the harvest. It's all in God's love. The farmer tells the workers not to pull the weeds because in doing so, that he may hurt the wheat as well. Now, do you notice that the workers are concerned about the weeds, but the farmer is concerned about the wheat? That's where you say amen. Because while the world is concerned about the weeds, God is concerned about the wheat. God is concerned about you. God is looking at you. God is paying attention to you. God loves you and he cares for you. He wants to make sure that you flourish and thrive. It is in God's love that he won't pull the weeds out too soon because in doing so, it might actually harm the wheat. It may not seem like the rational thing to do. It may not even seem like the loving thing to do, but the delay is for our good out of God's divine love. It is a demonstration of his love for us. So reality number one is God is, excuse me, is God sows and so does the enemy. Reality number two is God will not remove the weeds now. And reality number three is God will remove the weeds at the end of the age. He will remove the 
weeds at the end of the age. Look at verse 30 and then verses 40 through 43. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Verse 40. As the weeds are pulled out and birds of the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the burning, the flaze, excuse me, the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. It has not happened yet, but it will happen. There will be a reckoning, a sorting out, a weeding out. When harvest time comes, the farmer will instruct his workers to, co- to collect the weeds, bundle them up, and burn them. The wheat will be taken into the barn. Likewise, at the end of the age, when Christ comes, Christ will instruct his angels to weed out of the kingdom anything that causes sin and all who do evil. Creation will be purged of all evil through judgment, and there will be a recreation of the universe at the end of the age. This is the final judgment that all things will reach their goal and their end. We call it their telos. The evildoers will be thrown into hell. The righteous will live with the Father in eternity. God says there will be a harvest time, and that harvest time is his final judgment. The harvest is at the end of the age, and only God knows when that will happen. God allows the wheat and the weeds, the righteous and the unrighteous, to coexist in this age, but he will eventually separate them. The causes of sin and evildoers will finally be gathered up. We will all be judged, and those who do evil will be thrown into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, because of this language, many assume that hell is this large pit somewhere down there where there's fire and brimstone. And perhaps it is. I've never been there. I have no plans of going there. But when Jesus talks about a place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, he is describing the agony and despair that follows eternal separation from God. The Bible describes it as a a large chasm that cannot be overcome. It is a permanent condition of separation from the God of all love and the God of all life. Whether it's hot or not, it really doesn't matter because what hell is, is separation from God for all of eternity. This is a warning to the weeds, but it's hope for the wheat. Now, many of you are uncomfortable with the the talk of judgment because it implies that God has a standard and it's absolute. In a world where everything is relative, the notion that you have to make a decision and that that decision has consequences for eternity can seem harsh. I remember growing up and it seems like all the sermons were about fire and brimstone. And then the pendulum swung in the other direction and they were all about love and grace. Yes, but we need to understand both. There is immense love and grace found in our Heavenly Father. And there is also justice and judgment. They are not mutually exclusive. They are both true. But the key is that it is God's judgment, not man's. God judges in perfect righteousness. And he has given us the option to choose him. 
It's not coercion or a fear tactic. It's a reality that there will be a final reckoning, but God loves you too much to leave you in the dark about it. He loves you too much not to give you a chance to respond to his love. He loves you too much not to give you an opportunity to choose him now and for all of eternity. Whoever has ears, let them hear. A weeding out is taking place. It, in some ways, it's already beginning. Those who hear and understand the word and those who don't. And in the final judgment, people of the kingdom will spend eternity in heaven and people of the evil one will spend eternity in hell, forever separated from God. Jesus will make that perfect separation. The question we need to ask ourselves is, are we wheat or are we weeds? How will I make out in the final harvest? The thought of judgment or weeping or gnashing of teeth or a burning furnace is only a warning or scary for those who are not in relationship with Christ. It is uncomfortable for those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus yet. But for those of us who have and who take seriously our walk with Christ, our hope is eternity with God. Our placement is secure in the kingdom of heaven, and it cannot be taken away. The Bible says the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. The righteous will see Jesus. The righteous will leave the evil and the heartache of this world and be with the father. The righteous will go to a place where there is no death or mourning or crying or pain because the former things, this world, will have passed away. The righteous will be with God in heaven. And that is good news for us today, brothers and sisters. Good and evil exist in this world, but it won't be this way forever. Make sure when the harvest time comes that you are found in the barn with the wheat. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that you are our good father. God, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for your wisdom and we thank you for your love that kept us when we were out in the world acting like weeds. God, we thank you that you have brought us, that you have promised us a secure place in your kingdom of heaven. And for those of us, our brothers and sisters who are still figuring it out, God, I pray that you would have mercy on them. God, I pray that your grace would extend to them all the more. That as they hear the message of your love, that as they hear the message of your grace and of your wisdom, that they will respond to the invitation that you have placed in their hearts. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters as we navigate this world of good and evil, as we try to figure out how to plant good seed in a place where the enemy is planting bad seed alongside us. Help us, Lord, to remain faithful to you. Help us, Lord, to have hope in you. Help us, Lord, to look not uh, uh, not at, at the weeds as a distraction, God, but as a teaching mechanism as a transforming opportunity, God. And give us hope in this world for a time yet to come where we will be with you forever. God, we thank you for your word that sometimes it seems harsh, but it is your truth. 
and you do not leave us in the dark. So God, we thank you that you love us too much to leave us ignorant. It is through your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. My brothers and my sisters, if you have your communication card on your app, I ask that you would take it out right now. We would like to take you through something that we'd like to call the next steps. We believe that the sermon does not end here, that we need to walk this out. And so in, the, in your apps, you'll find the communication card. And if this applies to you, just check it off in the box. Number one, I will say yes to God's loving, rela- loving invitation to be in relationship with me. If this message was a little uneasy for you, a little uncomfortable for you, because you know that God has been pulling on your heart, that is him saying, I want to be in relationship with you. I love you. Check that box off if you're willing to say, God, I love you too. God, I accept your invitation. And after you do so, meet us right outside. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to get you connected so you would come to understand how much God loves you and how much we love you. And we want to be a part of your journey. Number two, I will share with someone about how God might be working out the weeds in my life to transform me. Sometimes we need to think about what's happening in our lives with a different perspective. I challenge you to talk with someone about that this week. Number three, I will ask God to reveal to me if I am wheat or weeds. If you're still unsure, ask God to help you. Number four, I will share with someone an example of God's grace in my life when I was living as a weed. The word says that we overcome by the power of our testimony. You have a story to tell to share with someone. Share it. Number five, sign me up to donate school supplies to Greco Elementary School students. We, are, we have been blessed to be able to use Greco throughout this entire pandemic. And we want to be a blessing to the students here. And if you're able to do so, if you'd like to do so, just check that box off. We'll send you the list and how you can get the supplies to us. Number six, I will participate in the Metro Olympics on Sunday, September 12th. Pastor Doug already told you about that. 